Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark. This is the Scattered Abroad Network, and we are ready for our continuation of the Road Signs series that we are doing this season. Last week, we talked about the stop sign, four things that the world should stop doing. And we mentioned that we were going to cover today some things that the church should stop doing. And as I pull up my topic list here to make sure I've got everything where I need it to be, I'd like to make this known now. By no stretch of any kind am I ever going to try to suggest that the world is all perfect or that the world is all bad. By no way will I ever try to suggest that we are all perfect or that we are all bad in the church. What I will say is this. I get very disheartened when I see people disparage the church and disparage certain areas of the church without merit. And so if you think that today is going to be some type of, here's how we're going to get back at the church, that's not what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about some things that are very important and very necessary to cover. And then, Lord willing, we'll be able to give some ideas on how we can combat these problems that perhaps your church doesn't face. Maybe it does. But the goal today is not to go on some type of rant about the church and how horrible it is, but more so some cautionary tales that can be told from Scripture, from past experiences, and even from common sense. So, without further ado, number one. The church should stop making worship all about them. In the Old Testament, the very first example we have of willing worship being offered, we're not talking about a sin offering like we could find in Genesis chapter 3, but the very first offering we find that people are doing because they're going to try to follow the commands that they had been given is in Genesis chapter 4. Cain brings an offering, so does his brother Abel. And according to what the Bible tells us, Cain tried to offer worship that did not meet God's standards. And while we don't really know the specific type of sacrifice that he was supposed to bring, we can figure out some clues as to the displeasure God felt when it was offered. We're told that his offering was rejected. Well, I know that that has to mean that God didn't approve of his offering. And then you could say, well, how do you know that? Well, Abel's offering was accepted, verse 4. Cain's rejected, verse 5, Abel's accepted, verse 4, and Cain became angry, and God told him as such, you have not done well, in verses 6 through 7. He essentially says to Cain, if you do well, you're going to be accepted. You don't have to worry. If you do well, you'll be accepted. If you don't do well, sin lies at the door. Sin lies at the door. It's your responsibility to do what Abel did, not in the exact same way that Abel did it. Some would want to get confused, and I we could talk about whether or not it was supposed to be a bloody offering. I find it interesting that that is what Abel brought and Cain did not, but there were offerings in the Bible that didn't have to have a requirement of blood in the offering. And yet, here we find Cain's offering not being matched in the acceptance level that Abel's had. And he had to have heard a correct way, method, or offering that God had required. And so we could say we know it was at least 
in an incorrect way, an incorrect method, or it could have been an incorrect offering that God had required because we're told in Romans 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and by faith, Hebrews eleven four, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. If he had the faith that Abel possessed, he would have been accepted. But instead of determining to be more like his brother, Cain just decided to kill him. I don't think that we could make the statement that Cain went out with the desire to kill him, but the Bible does say in the process of their conversation, Cain arose and slew Abel, his brother, verses 8 through 10. He became a fugitive after this. And it's hard to say anything other than the fact that Cain tried to get God to accept his standard for worship, not trying to conform to God's set standard for worship. There's a problem there. Had Cain done what Abel did, whether it was the method, the way, or the offering, he would have been accepted. Had Cain had an attitude even after he was rejected to say, you know what, I don't need to live like this anymore, let me fix this, Cain would have been able to have continued on and be accepted the next opportunity that he had been given. But that's not what happened. We find also, as we continue on through the Old Testament, a man named Saul. Not the Saul of the New Testament, who we later know becomes Paul, but King Saul. Saul tried to circumvent God's order as well in order to benefit himself. Samuel had instructed Saul to wait for seven days, 1 Samuel 13, 8. And when Samuel didn't show up in that time frame, Saul called for a burnt offering and peace offering to be brought to him. And then he offered that to the Lord, 1 Samuel 13, 9. And as it usually goes, Samuel shows up right after Saul finished, 1 Samuel 13, 10. But I want you to think about the reasoning that Saul gave to justify his sin. Samuel said to him in verse 11, what have you done? Saul responds and says, well, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you didn't come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, well, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord, therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. I needed to make the sacrifice so that I could benefit in battle. It didn't matter to Saul that he was breaking the commands of the very Lord that he wanted to have his back on the battlefield. And How often do you and I find ourselves worshiping in a way that benefits us and then we expect God to accept that? We need to stop doing these types of practices. It's not just an Old Testament issue, though. In the New Testament, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth saying that they had made the Lord's Supper an everyday common meal, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 22. It wasn't about them eating in their houses when he says, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Brethren, they didn't have church. Friends, they didn't have a building like we have today. The houses that they were able to go into worship were almost always one of the members of the congregation, the meeting place. So Paul would be telling them that they can't even worship, essentially, because the only place they could go to worship is their home. They didn't have located buildings yet. 
but they had made the Lord's Supper a meal. It wasn't a memorial anymore. It was a buffet. They also misused their spiritual gifts, and those gifts became nothing to them but noise, 1 Corinthians 14, 26-33. Paul corrects them on both accounts and instructs them to ensure their worship was pleasing and acceptable to God. We need to stop making worship about ourselves. I'll close this point out with this. Just recently, a congregation local to my area announced that starting in this new year, in 2023, they were going to add an instrumental music service. And one of the things that was very puzzling about that announcement was the fact that they had announced in the video that they had studied carefully. They had figured out and determined that, yes, instrumental music is an acceptable method of worship. But they never provided any actual backing for that claim. They just made it and moved on. And the second thing that they said that was really unique and kind of interesting, they made the statement that the eldership still believes that a cappella singing, not instrumental music, but a cappella singing, is the best way to worship God. Let that sink in for just a half beat. It's the best way. Then why aren't you doing it that way? Why are we not giving God our best then? If the elders who have the right to make this determination, why aren't they determining to do what they believe is the best way? You know why? In that same video, they made the statement that several of the younger members had requested instrumental music services. And that's why they're doing it. We need to stop making worship about us. It's about God. It's about God. Number two, we need to stop refusing to respect the government. This is going to be a little quick one. We talked about it a lot last week when we covered the life of Daniel. But we have to submit to those that are in authority, 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14, because this is the will of God, 1 Peter 2, 15 and 16. And we are supposed to show honor no matter the affiliation or morality. In 1 Peter 2, 17, Peter writes, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. It doesn't say to honor those that we like or to honor those that we voted for, to honor those who are Christians only. It says honor the king, and we don't have kings in America. We don't have kings in a lot of our nations today necessarily. There are still some that they view that type of leadership structure as their method of government. But that applies to them just as much as it would apply over here in the States. It just says honor the leaders. We need to stop refusing to respect the government. It's never been about anybody saying that it's acceptable for you or for me to follow after the sinful practices of our leadership. Never. But we still show them respect. And let me just say this. That includes all leaders. From the very top at the president's office all the way down to your local sheriff. They're leaders. 
put into that position to serve the government, and therefore, this verse applies to them. And so would Romans chapter 13, by the way. Number three, the church should stop reading the Bible instead of studying it. Now, I don't want you to think, man, it's, it's the middle of March, almost the end of March now. Actually, you know what? It's April when this is going to be airing. Let me get that right. It's April, and he's saying we can't read the Bible. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying reading the Bible can only get us so far. Study it. We're commanded to grow in 2 Peter 3, 14 all the way through 18. We're told to be looking out for all of the things that we find being diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, is written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things. And he goes on talking about this stuff, and then he says in verse 18, you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growth cannot happen without study and practice. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul writes, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Some translations have that word study to show yourself. But I like that idea of being diligent. You know, studying is not just reading. It's learning and understanding it. James 1.22, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. And in fact, in Acts 8.30, Philip ran to him, And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, do you understand what you are reading? If reading was enough, Philip wouldn't have had a question to ask. And finally, Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit at the seat of the scornful, but his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Our world takes the word meditation and has kind of hijacked it to be something that it's really not supposed to be. Meditation in this passage is an idea of looking deep within, deep within. If we were to look up this word and do kind of a Bible word study, it literally means to look through, to go about, and to proclaim, to be able to understand it to where you can go back out and tell other people, essentially. Meditates day and night. He studies it. He looks upon it. In fact, this is what I was looking for as I was getting a little bit confused as why it wasn't showing up. This definition in one of the lexicons says that it literally means to be able to articulate, either verbally or with a cry, to be able to tell others what it means. This one reference says that it's to be able to study and to speak what you've learned. Meditation today is a lot of people sitting with their legs crossed and just oming to themselves for however long. But when we talk about meditation in the Bible, we're talking about studying. Number four, 
the church should stop living like the world. The world should hate us. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, and therefore the world hates you. John fifteen nineteen, John fifteen twenty. he says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. All these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. But that's how it's supposed to be. We must live in a way that the world will be made to hate us. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God's. The world should stop living like the world. I know that sounds kind of difficult to think about, but the world needs to stop living like the world lives and start living as the Bible wills for them to live. The church should stop denying God's desire for them. But all of us have to stop living against God and start living for him. I'm thankful that you've taken some time to study with me today. I hope that it was beneficial to you. Lord willing, next week, April the 12th, 2023, will be our 100th episode. 100th episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We're going to pick up with our new sign, the wrong way sign. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.